Hello, listening people. Hello. Oh, hi, Bartek. Hi, Ryan. How are you? In person. That's how I'm doing. My favourite adjective. <laughs> it's my favourite emotion. <laughs> Mr. Happy, Mr. Sad, Mr. In Person. <laughs> Didn't we all read those books? <laughs> it's it's a it's a bold character that only exists in the modern day because of, you know, real life complications. So we're spin polish cycling because we're always spitting and we both happen to be in person and Polish. Bartek, this is our first recording in a couple of months uh, in which we're in the same room together. Lockdowns have been eased. We are allowed to be here looking at one another. And what a time to come around. We're capping off Spooky Month, a month in which we talk about spooky movies. People on Twitter, some people on Twitter have said, you know what, I wish Spooky Month was all year round. We got that kind of sentiment because people liked our conversations about uh, Neon Demon and Love Witch and a few other spooky movies. Should we become a spooky podcast, Bartek, <laughs> do you think? Um I, I enjoy the episodes that we produce during Spooky Month, but I struggle to pick films during Spooky Month. You know, so. I'm very disappointed in both of us and our listening people. No erotic thrillers were chosen this year. I was actually thinking of like, oh, we haven't done one in a while. What's one that I can pick? Yeah, but, I know. Yeah. The, I think a part of it is we enjoy talking about those in person. And so I chose Love Witch because that was erotic. Yeah. But I, not an erotic thriller in the way that we, we like. I was seriously them. considering one for this, but because it's my non-American week and all the ones that we've really enjoyed, like their Americanism is like a really mm. big part of it, especially if it's like an African Americanism. <laughs> like I didn't really know where to look. So we are here to talk about a movie that came recommended. And as you just said, you recommended the movie Bartek and you recommended a non-American based movie to cap off our spooky month so please tell us all what you picked i picked a japanese film from 2010 called mm. in japan's koku haku i believe mm -hmm. and in english it's confessions yes so if people have not seen this film we recommend you do it's very complicated it's got a lot of intrigue a lot of twists and turns and reveals mm. So we do recommend you check it out because we will be talking about it in depth with spoilers of the details. Bartek, uh, for those still listening uh, who have not seen the film... <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say who have not stopped listening. <laughs> who have not stopped listening because I imagine no one's seen this movie. No, everyone's seen this movie. It's everyone's favourite Japanese film since, <laughs> <laughs> since Ponyo. So... Um, <laughs> It's around the same time, I think. That's why I chose it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so everyone saw this Ponyo. And, uh, App apparently this was shortlisted for best foreign language film. Imagine, so. imagine them <laughs> showing any clips of this at the Oscars. <laughs> I don't know if Ponyo was. but <laughs> So uh, if people are still listening that have not seen the film, how would you pitch this? <laughs> this film uh, yeah, has a very unique style. Mm. Um. I guess I would say that this is a film about the aftermath of an incident where a little girl who's the child of a teacher was um, killed thanks to the actions of two students. Yes. And it's basically looking into um, who all of these characters are and the specific events that happened in the lead up to that and the specific uh, events and circumstances around their lives after the incident. That's a great way to describe it. So if that sounds like it's interesting to you, give it a watch because the one word I would use to describe this film is interesting. Yeah, this is one of those films where 
I think any reaction would be understandable. It's like, I really like this film. It's like, yeah, it's it's complicated, it's unique, there's a lot going on. Or, I didn't like this film. Yeah, it's asking a lot of you as an audience member. <laughs> it's like, yeah, just... <laughs> yeah. It's got a lot of aspects going on. Yeah. So, what is your history of this? You recommended this. Mm-hmm. And I've got to admit, I was a little surprised because... I think when you recommend Japanese things, they're always animated, anime. Mm. Rarely do I think of you or I being that familiar with live-action Japanese films. So Yeah, I've only seen a couple, and this wasn't one of them, because, mm. like I said in our Starry Eyes review, one of the things that I was nervous about going forward was, what am I going to pick during my non-American thing? Because... And and that was a big thing that I was thinking about throughout the month, and I set, I thought of a few things, but then I had reasons to like not pick them because like <laughs> oh we've we've been to this country recently before, mm. even though this is my second Japanese pick in a row. But let's forget that. Um, I haven't done a live action Japanese one, so I I was kind of stuck on what to do, and I think it was only like a few hours before we recorded our last episode that I actually just like searched for something, and kind of like I said earlier. I enjoy the films that we watch during Spooky Month because there's something different. Mm. So I thought, well, why don't I pick something that sounds interesting but I haven't actually seen? So, you know, maybe it'll surprise me and be something interesting. So had you not heard of this before the hunt for Spooky Movie for this month? No, I hadn't. Wow. Because I walked in, I didn't know anything about this movie. (laughs) I didn't know your history with it. And I walked in, I was watching the whole entire movie being like, Oh, Bartek must have seen this at some point. Like whether he saw it in the cinema with his mother, or whether one of his, one of your friends, like Reese or somebody, threw this your way and was like, "This seems like it's up your alley." And I was sitting there watching this, going, "Okay, Bartek's going to walk in with this history and give me some explanations." And instead, <laughs> you're like, "I chose it at, at random." It's very funny because throughout the whole month, I had a film in mind that if I was you, like if literally I was you, I would have chosen, and that film was Shaun of the Dead <laughs> because it's British, a horror film, and you've yeah. not seen it. So I was like, "Okay, he chose this. Let's see what it is." And I didn't look up the pitch. I think on IMDb, the pitch is very, very, very boilerplate. Like, it's so minimal. Yeah, I didn't look too much into it. I just saw that, like, something about a mother getting revenge. I didn't know that there were a teacher. I didn't know mm. about the style of the film. I, I One of the big things was I, I was thinking about, like, oh, you know, we've done a two kind of supernatural horror films so far this month. Mm. And then last week we did like a dystopian, but not really, mm. you know, super, you can't do this in real life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I thought like, oh, we haven't done like a, a really big thriller kind of thing. So, yeah. And I saw that this one was like a well-regarded thriller. So, so yeah. before we get into our relationship, uh, what we thought about the movie, let's talk a little bit about our relationship with Japanese films and the live action variety. We're very lacking, it seems. Both you mm. and I have a blind spot for them. Uh, when it comes to my experiences with Japanese live-action films, they've been more of a comedic bent, something like Hentai Kamen, for yeah. example, or of just the the basic horror, like I've watched Ringu at some point, I've watched, I can't remember what it is for, for The Grudge in Japanese, I can't remember what that was called, but I've watched those. Audition is one I've watched as well. So that's mainly about it. I've watched a lot more animated stuff, as you know. And so I have not watched too many movies of this. So I was watching this, trying to judge it on its own merits, but also 
trying to factor in if these are cultural differences in ways of telling stories and directing that I'm just not as familiar with because yeah. I don't want to walk in here saying I did not like this aspect, blah, 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 and just sound like such a Westerner, you yeah, know, like this, such this, an Australian I, guy. But again, <laughs> that's my context. Yeah, I did not like this thing that's like really normal in Japanese cinema. That, yeah, exactly yeah. right. What about you? What's been your relationship with Japanese live action films? Because we've all heard you on the podcast. You have a very strong relationship with animes and TV mm. shows. You've read mangas. Yeah. You've, been getting into most, more an- anime movies. Yeah, most so. of the games I play are Japanese as well. So, where are you with this? Yeah, li- live action cinema, not as much. A lot of it is things that happen to either get recommended to me, like you mentioned with Hentai Carmen. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, one of my favorite films that I've seen in recent years was uh, One Cut of the Dead. Yes. Which I was considering for this, but I kind of love that film so much, I don't want to spoil it or talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's one that you want to watch it with a group. Yeah, and I have twice, it, yeah. but, and it's a lot of fun. So, um, everyone, we're probably not going to do One Cut of the Dead, but it's fucking amazing. Watch that. Yeah, don't look anything into it. Just do watch not it, look it up. And, and watch after the credits. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I have seen a few uh, just randomly, like, on, on flights, because usually when I'm on a flight, which I haven't been in a while, they have, you know. Oh, really? It's been a while. <laughs> really? How um, long? Six, seven years? Uh, I think 2015. Um, usually they have a bunch of world cinema options, and sometimes mm. if there's a Japanese one, it's like, hey, I like Japanese stuff, but I haven't seen too much of this. So I've seen like a live action adaptation of this like old magical girl series <laughs> where about a little, little girl whose magic power is that she can turn into an adult. Um, and I've seen. So it's like Shazam. <laughs> Forever ago, I saw some kind of medical drama film, but I cannot remember the title. And I saw this one film about a Japanese doctor in Africa, which that was directed by a really well-known director called uh, Takashi Miike, who Uh. he like does everything from like super violent things to the Ace Attorney movie. I was going to say, you've seen the Ace Attorney movie. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) I've seen two Takashi Miike films, maybe three if he did that medical one. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so there isn't too much that I have seen, and I'm always, you know, really keen to actually check more out. I remember, like, two years ago, or maybe last year, there was a question you asked me in an episode, it was like, oh, so what's a country uh, whose cinema you'd like to check out more of? And I think I actually just said, you know, Japanese, because I haven't seen too many live action ones. And And I think since then, I've had this tab open on my computer for... This one film that I randomly picked, which is also a Takashi Miike film, I just haven't gotten around to checking it out. Well, you've had the free time. I have, yeah. So, let's get into what we were like watching the movies. So, I, as I said, didn't know really much about it. Mm. And then the film proceeded to start. And what is it, like the first 25 25- like, 20, 25 minutes of the movie is, like, the teacher. <laughs> I think so. Giving a, and I think on IMDb, someone in the in the reviews just said, like, offhandedly, like, I saw this after, said, like, bold of the movie to start with a 25-minute monologue. And I'm like, well, it wasn't just a monologue, but okay. Like, I get the... It, quintessentially, it's a monologue. Yeah. I remember uh, shortly after that finished, I paused to, like, refill my water bottle, thinking that I was mm-hmm. only 10 minutes into the film, and it I was, was 35 minutes in. It was very lively, to say the least. Yeah. So, I was seeing that, and then when it ended, that segment, and then it was like, this confession, I was like, oh, is this, like, an anthology thing, right? That's where mm. I was like, oh, is this, like, a series of different confessions, 
Like, is this a horror anthology movie? Because, again, I didn't know anything. And it's oh, just right. So... Confession. So, it's like, this is the first one in which a teacher poisoned her kids. And then we're going to get some other thing. Yeah, completely it, different story. Yeah, yeah. And maybe maybe the thread is it's all from the same school, right? Like, I didn't yeah. realize how much of it was going to actually form uh, a three-act structured movie in which all of these different confessions form one big story. So it took me a little while to get into the movie because of that, but I did yeah. eventually warm up to it in that regard. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Because also the teacher disappears from the movie from uh, it for a very long time. Yeah. Barely anyone actually references her directly. And they do in a way where like anthologies do, where they make it so that each one has a little connecting thread, but not too much of a one. And so I was looking at it being like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And I liked this movie a lot. I am frustrated with it as well. Mm -hmm. I would describe the movie as uh, ingenious in its story, but flawed in its direction. I like the script, don't like the direction that the movie has. I like the acting from what I can tell, obviously. Yeah. And I liked um, the way the story unfolded. I liked how complicated and, like, interwoven all of it was. I liked all the plans that the people had in the movie. Mm -hmm. I liked all the goals and the, uh, the backstories and the driving forces that everyone had. It made them feel real, but also caricature enough. And I felt like there was some really good commentary in the movie could not stand the direction. It, I I was watching it being like, oh man, this is just too annoying for me. I'm like, and by the end, I felt like, okay, maybe it's one of those things where either A, this is a director's style and or B, this is a Japanese thing. Because I will admit, I had become accustomed to it by the end, mm. but I don't know if I could rightly say that I enjoyed the direction or I just warmed up, like I've just spent time with it, like almost two hours time with it. So by the end, I was like, uh, I've spent time watching this weird style, but overall, that is my general impressions of the movie. What about you? Yeah, I have similar thoughts. Um as I was thinking about the film afterwards, I was considering, like, okay, so what does it really mean to, like, love a film? Um, I was thinking back to, like, when we did The Nightingale and we kept having that running joke of, like, oh, I really like this in an alternative meaning of liked. Mm. And I guess what I concluded was, like, if, for a film that you really love, there's got to be, like, you've got to be glued to the screen, you've got to be really into it, and you have to, like, get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Mm. Um, and this film very accurately glued me to the screen. Like, I was paying attention the whole time. I wasn't, you know, distracted. I was in take taking in everything. Um, but there was this kind of muted tone to it where... Um, I guess the film wanted you to be a little bit emotionless about things that was happening. There was mm. very dark things delivered to relatively upbeat music, yeah, and yeah. soft narration the whole mm. way through. I when the and a very soft focus visually, like the movie visually, when you look at it, is very soft and light. Yeah, I I can't remember what episode it was that i said this in it was forever ago but there was a film where um we had the question of like oh did we uh in i think it was very bad things um mm. did we 
identify with any of these characters? Did we like them? And I kind of said, well, that kind of wasn't really the point. It felt like we were outsiders looking in. Mm -hmm. And that thought came to my mind in this one, but it kind of hit a bit harder because the way that the film looks, like we don't have too many close-ups of these rooms. It kind of felt like you're looking into this box where a bunch of action's happening. And that was a really interesting like little thought. I know that when the film first began and we had like that milk song and all these kids like drinking it and it felt very much you were thrust into something that you were not expecting. It reminded me of like, um, I can't remember what anime it is, but there's like a slice of life anime where it's like a school setting and it's like about these kids wanting to start a band. Oh, K-On, yeah. It reminded me of that. Yeah. That opening reminded me, like, I'm watching one of those shows, but also everything's grey. <laughs> so, Everything is very grey. <laughs> yeah, but not in a Snyder way. Not in a Zack Snyder grey way. And there was this kind of uncomfortable energy to most of that scene where the teacher's talking, but, like, no one's listening. And mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe as a teacher, you know, that kind of hit a bit harder. <laughs> um but but once once most of the kids were listening to her like I felt like by that point I was kind of used to the film. Yeah, I think just for myself I I did feel like feel the weight of things. I I did like all, all of our characters. I I I felt for them. I completely bought all of their psychosis and mm-hmm. stuff and I was enthralled by that. But I did find myself too distracted by the quick cuttings and the random shot compositions and slow-mo speed up, the the juxtaposition of music. And not even that, like, the music aspect for me, the biggest weakness of it was it was always on. Mm. And I didn't mind so much, like, the wacky songs and the ones that are in English, for example. But there was just, like, this general score that the movie had that felt like a temp score like it felt like this is uh a music that you would have in a i couldn't stop thinking about this i don't know why music that you would have in an adobe like oh, like a generic kind of thing not just that but them at a conference presenting the new adobe photoshop and the music <laughs> they have in the background as they show the slideshow is this music like a commercial for the company yeah that's what I felt, and I don't know yeah. why that was about. I was like, why this, this? I guess for me, I was thinking more like, oh, this kind of feels like an indie drama-ish kind of thing to do, mm. but that also, yeah, kind of fits. This kind yeah. of, uh, not not like all-inclusive, but like this kind of could fit in multiple different things. Yeah, there's just visuals and uh, the frantic nature of the cutting and the music were where my main distractions with the direction came from. Sometimes I wish that the shots would linger a little more so I could appreciate the the acting and also the scene taking place. I felt a little bit too much of a chaos for my liking. But again, this could be a specific choice of the director. could be something that grows on me on a second watching. could Mm. also just be a cultural thing. But I'm just saying the thing that held me back from loving this more than I did. And in terms of like the wove, like the interwoven nature of the movie, all these different perspectives, there's only one moment that I didn't care for in that regard. And I was like, oh, you're kind of given this... I don't know, it threw me off, and I know it's supposed to, but I didn't think it really worked, which was we see um, student A mm-hmm. chopping up the girl into pieces, like, and then like 15 minutes later, we get up to the scene where he kills her. Yeah. I didn't really care for like 
seeing him do that first and then getting up to that scene. Like, that's why it's the only thing like that in the movie where it's like having all the timelines in different orders that I really didn't care for. Like, by the end of it and when she got killed, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a little bit of a a punch, like the punch has been softened a little too much for my liking. Yeah, that was kind of like the misunderstanding I was happening in The Love Witch where I mixed up the friend's husband and the cop. I was like, oh, but I already seen you kill him. But Yeah. But right. for, for real this time. <laughs> but for real this time. For realsies. So, yeah, those are my negatives with the movie. They, this is definitely a film where those negatives I have would be impenetrable for viewers. I also wonder if this is a film I would appreciate more, and I wonder if you think this too, if we have had a few more live-action Japanese films under our belt and oh, we came yeah, back yeah. to this. To get more into the style. And just more into like the culture and, the, and that kind of stuff. What do you think about that? Because we've talked about that with some animes and with some other foreign films where it's like I kind of wish... We had a few more under our belt, and then maybe yeah, more under back. our belt, more context, mm, mm. Um, more familiarity. Possibly, I mean, the, uh, one thing to note is that this film is an adaptation of a book, and so yes. the narration obviously feels very much like you know in that style. Um, I was surprised to find out it was a book and not like a proper like a like a manga, mm. like it's a novel. Yeah, I was, like, I was when I was watching it, so many of the weird visuals. I was like, oh, that must be a panel. Yeah, references to established visuals. Yeah. No, so I guess, yeah, I guess it's kind of yeah neat that this film came up with a lot of visuals, especially like near the end when the explosion's happening in reverse. Yeah, that was awesome. That was really cool. I, I really like that. I, another visual I really liked was um, that kind of like home footage style, like old film eight millimeter camera of the the student A and the girl on the roof. Mm. top and the sun's behind them setting and that was a nice shot too visually yeah. i was like oh this is neat or even when they first when they meet up at the bridge at night he's like sitting on the on the hillside of the, on the yeah, carriage yeah. Of the bridge and that felt like straight out of an anime like that felt like this could be in yeah this, tokyo godfathers or something yeah, it looks like it would be a panel from like a dramatic point in a manga and also mm-hmm. because the border is like all black it feels mm-hmm. like this is just you know it goes back to that boxed setting like you're looking in mm. Yeah, maybe there is something to, you know, having put more live-action stuff behind our belt. I feel like the... I can't say for sure, but I feel like the narration thing might be a big thing there. Like, there's just the way it was, you know, very softly delivered. Mm. I, I feel like there might be some sort of conventions that that was following. Did, did that, that hold you back, the, narra- the way the narration was implemented? I wouldn't say it held me back. It was definitely something I noticed, and mm. the fact that it was juxtaposed to the music, which I also kind of was a bit distracted by, because yeah, it was very, very Western-focused music. Um, mm. And, yeah, it's, a lot of it was kind of very soft in compared to, you know, how dark this film gets. So <laughs> there, I guess maybe there's a purposeful contrast there. Mm-hmm. Like, the the only one that, like, you know, you can't really argue about because it, it was diegetic was, like, that's the way, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, that was I amazing. Like that was amazing. <laughs> It was an amazing moment in the film in which the teacher opens up the film with suggesting she put AIDS blood in two children's milk. <laughs> and then five minutes later, that's the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Any other uh, negative things or things that you want to talk about in uh, in the critical sense in that manner? Because 
uh, you know, I think that's basically it for me. Because for me, I enjoyed the narration very much. I thought it was really well done. I enjoyed the different moments when it broke into the new confessions. I enjoyed all of the characters. I enjoyed the ending very much. Um, yeah, I don't think I have any other major ones. I guess the only thing that, and this might be just something, something I'm thinking in retrospect, is whenever it did have the screen saying, like, this character's confession... Um, I guess maybe I was a bit muddled about like, oh, is this introducing a new one or are we partway <laughs> into one already? And it's, yeah, mm. maybe if that was structured a bit more clearer, but again, I, it, it didn't take me out of the film. Uh, but yeah, we will re-emphasize that uh, something we said right at the beginning of this episode, it's totally understandable if what we are saying that worked for us does not work for someone else. Cause this film is very unique in its style um, and it might not work for you. The film's complicated. But did you find yourself genuinely lost and confused while watching it? No, I actually noted that it was completely followable, if that's a word. Yeah. The the beginning 25-minute monologue kind of thing sets you up for the general series of events that matter, and until, like, the end when some extra things happen, um, everything is just building around that. Like, you learn about you know, what the two kids are like uh, mm. from a general perspective. You obviously get more specific. You learn about what the problem was with the the child. Uh, you learn about the, the girl who also is going to matter later mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. And you le- and the teacher just basically spells out like, you know, I'm, I'm done, I'm leaving. And obviously there's more with that. But everything kind of, you've got the base set during that part. And then everything's just building upon Yeah, that. even even the new teacher who is thrown into the story and is kind of like a joke character. Mm-hmm. You get a you get a moment with that where it becomes oh this this aspect of the story was actually a thread not just a throwaway. Yeah. He's this very archetypal like I'm <sighs> friends with you kind of teacher. Yeah, he he the look of him even. Mm. The big hair and the and the and the sports jacket. He felt like so lifted from from I don't know what like I, um, Japanese media that even I'm aware of the outside was like I've seen this yeah, teacher character se- in so many things. I've seen a couple of anime and read a couple of manga that center around like teachers. Mm. And I think there is this common like archetype. You know how in real life you you'd have very obvious people in professions inspired by things like, oh, I'm a nurse, I'm inspired by Florence Nightingale, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Oh, I'm a teacher, I'm inspired by Dead Poets Society. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's the thing. I've noticed that in Japanese media, there is a thing called, I think it's called like Kinpachi Sensei, and it's common for teachers to be inspired by that. And in the few things I've seen where a character is inspired by that thing, they do feel a bit like this guy. He's Mm -hmm. like really enthusiastic. He wants to be like, you know, the kind of father for the kids. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the archetype that this character is going for. But even just his look, like the way his hair was, the outfit. Very white. Yeah. Yeah. He was striking. But I agree. I was never lost throughout the movie. I trusted it. That's also a major reason why you don't feel lost is... Mm. You trust that the movie is going to answer these things. Yeah. When you lose trust in a movie, that is when things become even more muddled. Because, you know, for instance, we did Mulholland Drive. You trusted that movie more than I did. Mm-hmm. So you had more of an experience with the movie where you felt like you understood it more than, than I did. And you got more out of it than I did. Mm-hmm. Here, I, 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 I was in the movie's hands as soon as they revealed the AIDS blood re- thing. I was like, oh, I'm in. 
<laughs> I'm fucking in. This is a great yeah. plan. Yeah, and what uh, a great plan. And the film just kept one upping itself with great plans. Like, what a great plan that is. Like, what a great villainous methodical plan. Another film this reminded me of that we've covered, a South Korean film, um, Handmaid, uh, Handmaiden. Yeah. Um, where that film was also very complicated and told it from different perspectives. And you're like, where's this going? And then it comes back around, like, very intricate. But you didn't feel lost in that movie either because you emotionally were invested in something. Here, it wasn't so much I was as emotionally invested, but more I was turned on by, ooh, that's clever. Where's this leading to? Mm, yeah. And and for a film that's largely narrated, they don't really go into too much, like, unreliable narrator thing. Like, mm. like towards the end, like you have the thing of like, oh, I went to my mom's university and this happened, and then mm. very soon after you get a reveal of like, oh, that's not how it happened. But the two most unreliable narrators are that teacher and that kid, because yeah, the, the, we find out things later. Yeah, like the, she didn't actually put blood in their milk. The, yeah, those two <laughs> definitely have like more secrets going on. Like in that first scene when they reveal the blood in the milk thing, he's the one that runs out acting all sick. And then near the end of the film, you see where he ran to, and mm-hmm. he says his little catchphrase of "just kidding." And he was laughing and having a wicked time. Yeah, he his performance was really good. His voice, he he definitely kind of nailed that young sociopath kind of thing that I've seen in some Japanese media. Yeah, he reminded me of um, what's his name, Death Note. Mr. Yeah, Death Note. Light Yagami. Yeah. He reminded me of Mr. Death Note. Um, Mr. Note. <laughs> Mr. Note. Um, what was his name? Light Turner in the American adaptation. Yeah. He reminded me of Light Turner. No, um, Timmy Turner's brother. No, I, uh, I agree. I thought his acting was very good. In fact, I was more impressed with the acting of the other kids, yeah, student, student B. B. He really took... He, he fooled me. Because when they reveal his dramatic thing, which is he actually killed the kid knowing she was like alive, yeah, I was sucked in. I was like, "Whoa! I didn't expect this." Because of that, how we were introduced to this character, him being the more emotionally vulnerable one, and how we see him mentally affected from all of this, and like he's not cleaning himself, but he's cleaning everything else around him, and he's like screaming all the time, and like. Him cutting his, himself and wiping blood everywhere. It's like, oh, this kid's like mentally fucked up, but not in the way that the other one is. But then the reveal that he killed her knowing that she was alive in the first place because he felt scorned by the other one is like, oh, I'll, 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 I'll prove that I'm capable and also I'll take this moment from you. Yeah. That was a stunning revelation and it was helped by that kid's performance because I completely believed him in the before that reveal and after it didn't feel as if he uh did that thing that a lot of movies fall into of once they reveal that they're actually the psychopath all along it's like they basically change into another character yeah it still felt like he was the original kid we met but all of those weird things about him now make sense because we have context Mm. yeah he and throughout the film like he does get focused but towards the end like student a is kind of like the main character that we're following um because he's just so calculated about everything and like, student b has finished the arc of killing mummy <laughs> yes yeah who, who she also gets some confessions mm. um yeah yeah student a he's had plans from way before this incident occurred and he's mm. got plans you know after it too so it makes sense that we follow him a lot towards the end 
Um, and uh, yeah, I did kind of miss seeing Student B. I think his name was Naoki. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like when obviously when he wa- when he was washing everything, but not washing himself, there was this sense of like, oh, he's becoming neurotic. He doesn't want it to spread. But once we did get like the monologues w- from his confession mm-hmm. about like you know all of these things, the, my bad smell, my bad hygiene, makes me feel like I'm alive. Reminds me that I'm alive. Yeah. While, while a lot, of, I don't know if this was part of the milk song that was playing behind him, but there was a lot of like really wacky cartoon sound effects, yeah, like yeah. boing, and it was just like, <laughs> because, oh god, because he's also mentally like he's his mother has trapped him as being, like, the perfect four-year-old yeah. that she knew. Like, he has all the Lego blocks, and yet, what, he's supposed to be, like, how old is he supposed to be? Like They're, they're year eight, so they would be 13, 14. I was going to say, I was going to guess 14. Yeah. And so, no, I think he says he's 13 at some point, right? Like, my life yeah. is over and I'm, I'm only 13. And uh, <laughs> I love the mother character, too, because we get introduced to her in the very opening monologue. Yeah, I from the teacher's perspective. I really love the character detail of uh that she says poor baby you poor to, child you yeah. poor child to her kid uh, even though she's being told that her kid is involved and probably the perpetrator of a murder the murder of the person that's child that is talking to you yeah. right now across from you <laughs> who's a teacher the of o- your child <laughs> the only other person in the room <laughs> yeah and i i love that detail and i loved how they kept building out her character because it was so easy for the film just to make her two-dimensional, like rich yuppie mum character, and they and they don't. They 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 flesh her out. They give her some agency. We understand why she's like that as yeah. well, and that's a strength of the movie is. In a film in which every single character we're following is a psychopath or mentally unstable or selfish. Yeah. They're unlikable. Yeah. A lot of the minor characters fall into that kind of selfish thing. Like the, yeah. the group think of like bullying the kids, things like that. Yeah, but the film gives you enough layers to these characters to make them ones you want to follow and not necessarily feel sorry for. Like I never felt sorry for student A. You yeah. know, I, I I thought that's a cool villain backstory. Yeah, that's mm. how I felt. And same with the mother. I felt sorry for her, even though I didn't initially. Like, oh, I understand why you're like this. Yeah. Okay. She, she, her character has like this kind of familiar archetype of the mum mm. who believes that her child is, you know, infallible, perfect, and anything that's wrong is the fault of something else. Yeah, um, that, but- that typical archetype that we see in lots of stories, but also. She matches that archetype that I've seen in, in Japanese media as well, yeah, like the was... way she is, and in Japanese life culture as well, like that very specific kind of pitch to her that yeah, she puts in. a Japanese kind of spin on helicopter parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and her performance and you know her monologues you know, really gave her this unique feel. My favourite moment from her was when she figured out the... Uh, <laughs> the, the... The little yeah, the, uh, get well thing that yeah. they made, and that it says killer die. Yeah, all of the Japanese characters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was. A, I love the shot too, like of her realizing it, and like the profile mm. of shot her, like her screaming. She's become her kid, where she's just hysterically screaming yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> it cuts to him upstairs, and he's like zoned out. He doesn't give a shit. Mm. Like I really, really enjoyed her. I didn't think I would. Because I really like the teacher, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this lady's a bitch to the teacher." Yeah, the teacher. She has some funny, like, deadpan moments. Like she's talking about, 
um, that teacher who wrote the book, and she's mm-hmm. like reading a passage that says something to the effect of like go out and do mm-hmm. good things, mm-hmm. and like two students take that as like oh you just dismissed us, and she's like oh how wonderful his words mm-hmm. are already taking effect. <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's talk about the girl in the movie, mm-hmm. um, whose name is escaping me, unfortunately. Uh, her nickname was Mizuho. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. And then the, the, the teacher guys start chanting it with all the students, <laughs> yeah. teasing her. So I was really unsure about her to begin with, because then we cut to her, and I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, she... she looking at her, I knew what type of girl she was, because I... Not not psychopath in the way, but I knew girls like this in high school, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, what's she going to offer to the table? She wasn't as firmly established in that beginning part as everyone else. Like, she, she mm-hmm. had attention, mm-hmm. but she wasn't involved yes. with, with the incident. Yeah, so I was thrown off at first. Mm. But I, I really turned around. I, I, I really liked her. I, I, I felt sorry for her, but also I didn't. I, w- I reacted like the teacher did when the teacher finds out when she confronts the teacher at the restaurant, and she's like, "Hey, give him a chance. He's lonely," and she tells him his tragic backstory basically, and the teacher laughs hysterically. That's how I felt about that girl's relationship with the main with that with student A because. It's like, oh, honey, he's he's a villain. <laughs> he's a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. You are fucked. And then um, she did. She got fucked up real good. Mm-hmm. Her collecting all of her poisons. Yeah, she. They, they established in the beginning that there was a case previously where a girl, it's called the lunatic case, I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah. murdered her family using poisons for no identifiable reason or yeah. no, no reason that and they're was like given. a super genius because they beat student they were the one that beat student a in the competition right uh, no i don't think she beats student a in the competition it's uh, the it's the news was focusing uh, on that right. he want student a wants attention and to have that's his right, genius recognized right. but then when he you know this height of his life um a murder happens and that takes up all the mass communication mm-hmm. you know focus in real life this is completely totally different but i i remember in Australia, mm. there's a guy called Corey Worthington. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember who him. Who became a, a media sensation because he chucked a massive house party that, like, tore up the entire street. <laughs> it was, like, the most legendary house party, and Corey now still works today as a, as a party organiser and a club guy. Oh, so, he's still going. So he's still going. <laughs> um, and good for him. He uh, knows his niche. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, the first person ever to kayak from Australia to New Zealand arrived in New Zealand safely and didn't oh, die. Oh, no. And it got completely <laughs> drowned out. Like, like this astonishing <laughs> achievement of years of preparation and work got drowned out by some fucker called Corey who refused to take off sunglasses when interviewed because he didn't want people to see how beautiful his eyes are or some bullshit. Oh my god. He see, a I didn't... ring and like he refused to put on zip up his jacket because he wouldn't see he wouldn't people see his, his chest. And his sunglasses were famous. His sunglasses see, were famous I and did... he was charging <laughs> them for interviews with him at a ludicrous price. And see, I'll always I did, remember that. I did not know about that kayaking thing mm-hmm. and that kind of gets to the point of like, you know, this big dumb thing happened. And dumb, murder but in this thing one, in the film. it's tragic. Yeah. Tragic, yeah, and and it takes away from the attention of something that someone put a lot of work into that they wanted <laughs> to be recognised for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I, I, uh, the, the 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 girl, the girl, she, 
She was an interesting avenue to put into the movie. How did you feel about her when she first started turning up? And how did you feel about her by the end of the film? Like how she was implemented in? Yeah, it took me a while as well because we established this was the class captainy character, and mm. she had some. She's been paying attention to a lot of things um, without directly being involved, and we obviously learned that when she um, is a big fan of the lunatic perpetrator, mm. that kind of you know reels. Okay, she's got a thing for these kind of villainous characters, and that's kind of what her relationship with Student A is. I think his name's Shuya. Yeah. Um. And she kind of starts forming a romance with him, which yes, which to as a dark parallel to the last Japanese film I picked, where it was like mm-hmm. the bully victims meeting a girl, getting friendly. Maybe this will be a big turnaround for them, but it meant absolutely nothing to him. Like she mm-hmm. kind of she was walking into a situation where she was becoming a victim, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it was yeah, kind of it was very sad. <laughs> it was very funny too because I really liked how. He he was pissed off that uh, student B did the thing that he wanted to do, and he under like he assumed that that student B was too dumb. Mm. Right, that was the whole thing. You're dumb and stupid. Everyone's beneath student A, but everyone, <laughs> student B could do what student A couldn't do, even though student A is a super genius. His device didn't even kill the kid. Yeah, it's he's like pathetic. Student A's three big plans, like all fail, all all fail because so, because of someone else, and that someone else kind of gets the attention. Yes, and that someone else or, also or, shows that that he's dumber than he thinks he is. Yep. Yeah, or in the case of like the very last plan, like he, he's just completely defeated. <laughs> and she, the girl, um, she chastises she gets chastised by him because he's like you're pathetic right like he's swinging it at her because student b's just done this wicked crime murdered his own mother and that spurs him on because he's like why would he murder his own mother like i wouldn't murder my mother because my mummy you know i have mummy issues yeah <laughs> uh and he she has that line doesn't she yeah, yeah he he yells at her by basically ridiculing her for being a pussy and a coward and that you're never going to commit anything you're just going to live your life vicariously through the notion that you could but you never will i will actually do things and then <laughs> she i loved it i loved it so much it was a great way for her to die because she just got so over it, and she's just like, you're nothing special. Textbooks case of, like, mummy issues. Yeah, Oedipus complex. Oedipus yeah. complex, <laughs> mummy abandonment issues. You're not that complex. And that really <laughs> fucked him up, and that was awesome, because every single person, student B, the teacher, uh, her, uh, uh, you know, uh, the school bullies... All of them keep reminding him that he's not as nuanced and as layered as he likes to think he is. He is just a textbook case of a psychopath. Like, you aren't even that special of a psychopath. Like, if anything, you're a failure because student B could do it and he wasn't even aiming to try to do it. (laughs) And then he did and he did it. He did it spur of the moment. (laughs) He did it and in fact he could have gotten away with it as well in comparison to you who wants the attention. And it's just so fucking funny i thought that was really well done and i appreciated her contribution to the story once she met up with the teacher in the restaurant and like because throughout the whole thing she's the only one that morally objects to the teacher having put aids blood in their milk like nobody else does Mm -hmm. 
So it was also nice in that way, because I was thinking, how come nobody is morally objecting to this? Nobody cares. But that was part of the teacher's speech, right? Mm, yeah. She, then- she, was, she manipulated them to such an extent that they were so shocked by it, they didn't consider that, like... How wrong it was? How wrong it was and how it wouldn't really work the way that mm-hmm. that they that they'd think it would like it wouldn't it probably wouldn't give you the hiv yeah yeah <laughs> and she was the only one that objected to it and also thought that wouldn't be in her character to do which she was half right on kind of mm. um and i really love that scene where she sat with her at the restaurant and just asked her like what the fuck miss like what, did this actually happen and probably my favorite dramatic reveal was that her husband stopped her from putting the AIDS blood in their milk and that, that he died not of AIDS but of cancer. That was an interesting yeah. reveal. That was an interesting... Because she's like, didn't you guys listen to me? You don't necessarily have to die from AIDS anymore. Yeah, there, there are drugs that'll, like, you know, help you. Yeah, exactly. And even help it from progressing from HIV to AIDS. Mm. I mean, isn't that a joke on uh, South Park? With Magic Johnson, where he's cure for his money. Yeah, he's, he <laughs> sleeps on money all the time. It's like I just—it's money. Um, yeah. Did you have any favorite or particular dramatic reveals that really took you aside? The cancer one was a big one because it, it was just this thing of like, not only is it a big uh, revelation or a big confession that gives you more information about. Mm. Uh, that beginning sequence of events, um, but also just the fact that she, even though she was, you know, very plainly giving all this information um, and uh, revealing, you know, I wasn't that great of a teacher, she is clearly smart enough to realize, like, the students aren't that smart. They'll, <laughs> they'll, <laughs> I, I can say all this stuff that you can easily refute, but because they're in this, you know, emotional state, they don't realize it. Yeah, also, I like a part of her aspect in the story is she tells an almost truth all the time. Because it's like, well, the the AIDS blood thing is truthful in the fact that she was going to do that, but then she didn't. But I said I did anyway, and let it play out. And if there's any consequences that would come back on me, well, I didn't actually do it. So nothing would actually bad happen. Well, nothing bad would truly happen. So, ha ha ha. I loved that teacher. I I was so happy when she came back into the movie and then it became a cat and mouse game between her and student A. (laughs) And what a bitch she was to student A, but in the most perfect of ways. I like student A's backstory. I thought that was a really interesting villain backstory of like, here's this super genius mother who had to give all this up to be a mother, and then she grew hate-filled about that and then abandoned him. Mm. Uh, the, the big, the immediate contrast between, like, I gave it up all for you, my love. You're going to be so smart, too. Fuck, why did I do that? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Beating him. And uh, my genius is in your blood. And it's like, ah, AIDS blood began the movie. You know, like, <laughs> and then it's all about in your blood, oh, all that stuff. And just, oh, that moment, like you said, where... We reveal he's laughing in the bathroom and he's like, now this will get my mum's attention. <laughs> and then it doesn't because he didn't actually get AIDS. 
You get HIV. He's like so annoyed about that. And because the teacher's aware of like his Oedipus complex, like she can send him a letter, like pretending she's the mum. But she got that info from the from the girl. Yeah, <laughs> that was so good. It's like, oh, thank you for revealing his one weakness to me. I guess one of his big problems is not only is he like this super genius, he also follows the conspiracy notion that you have to leave breadcrumbs. Like he has that <laughs> website where he like reveals. But nobody looks at it. <laughs> nobody looks at it except the, the person teacher. who defeats him in the end. <laughs> See why it's very Death Note to me? <laughs> that way, where it's like, I'm leaving all these breadcrumbs and then this person's going to foil me, but they don't know it. It's like. Well, Lightgami Light specifically gets rid of breadcrumbs, but. He but tries. He, he's a lot more successful. Oh, yes. He, he yes. legitimately is up against a genius who finds <laughs> things that, like, no one would expect to find. I would say the teacher's a pretty smart genius. <laughs> I'd say she's a genius. She could, she could play one of those two roles. I, yeah. um. Oh, when- she's L level. Yeah, she's L level. I, 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 um, with the movie, there was that moment to, gosh, there's so many great moments here, huh? Mm. So many great moments where, uh, he, student A is, uh, <laughs> he has the girl chopped up in the fringe and he's like talking to bits of her like he's a true nut job he's like a true villain but i loved the teacher chastised the girl for making the bullies stop bullying him and she's like I'm, you know i understand you know i thought they would bully him more and i'm very disappointed that you stopped them from doing that <laughs> I had a good chuckle at that because she was still talking to her like a teacher where it's almost like she was saying like I'm very disappointed in your grades but she was saying I'm very disappointed that you stopped these people from bullying this guy into suicide well, well, well they started bullying her too so yeah but then she along with other aspects helped de-escalate it all mm. and she's just like I'm very dis- I wanted him to kill himself <laughs> and uh like we said, the the other teacher guy, how he was woven into the story was really nice. Like he had trusted the previous teacher. Um, he was he was for he was kind of manipulated to be mm-hmm. more idealistic than that archetype, you know, usually mm-hmm. goes. <laughs> <laughs> and it made those annoying aspects of his character work in retrospect when you hear that information. Like, oh, oh, okay, cool, cool, okay. Mm. Because at first I was like, why is he so cartoony? Like, I know he's this archetype, but I was like, he's so much more cartoony than this movie needs yeah, him to yeah. be. And then there's an answer for that. That's what I'm saying. Like, you invest in the film and it pays off. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the finale, the third act, where it's basically just the cat and mouse between these two and he's, and Stune has his bomb and he's telling all of these stories that they aren't true, but they are. And then the teachers like basically gives them a phone call saying, I don't like liars. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the film, like obviously throughout the rest of it, especially the middle third, because you know, the first third almost feels like that first scene. The middle third is when we're jumping around between pardon me, all of the different perspectives. And then the last third, it kind of feels like it's settled on mm. this final series of events. The showdown. Yeah, the showdown. Still being narrated, but there's a final plot. Uh, student A is our villainous protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did like that he was trying to reach a sort of conclusion that we were following that story. Um, and it led to some really good visuals. Like we already said, the backwards explosion. Mm. Um when he breaks down in front of all of the kids in that bird's eye view where like they yeah, yeah, separate yeah. from him like a ripple in the water. Like I yeah. thought that was visually like really cool. I really like the visual of um when he's setting up the bomb and he's imagining all of the dead kids on the mm. floor and like how it keeps flashing 
that away to reveal like that's just his yeah, dream. That feels like it was taken out of like if this was a manga adaptation, that yeah. would have been like a few panels. Yeah, that was exactly what I thought. Oh man, there's so many good visuals there. I also liked the bird's eye visual and it made it comedic in intent to me was when that one teacher or adult lady was trying to take the phone off of him and he pushed her to the ground mm. and then ran away. It made me laugh a little, just the way the shot was done, just like how how much of like a real-world thud she took to the ground. It was just very funny yeah. to me. It's like, go, uh, no, I have to have my villainous back and forth with the mastermind. <laughs> yeah, with mastermind villain. And so a lot of stuff happens between the two of them. We find out that his mother's actually remarried and she's on her honeymoon and that the teacher met her and all this. And then, Oh, you blew up your own mum. It was you. And it I was, was your bomb. <laughs> you put it together. Aren't you so proud of your genius? I, you really proved it to yeah. your mum this time, didn't you? I quite liked her. I was hoping you wouldn't press the button. But then you did, <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you? And so that was really well done. I loved him, how he broke like student B, where he was just screaming. He's like, ah, mm. <laughs> just nose bleeding. Oh, it was so good. And then I, I, I don't know. I think maybe this was pushing it, mm. but I was so involved when she just dramatically walks up to him. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, well, you're pushing it. You're she was in the room it. on the phone all along. <laughs> she was, which makes sense for her. She's been doing this a lot, but like, it was pushing it because like, I don't know, I think this kid would react to you physically being <laughs> right in front of his fucking face. Like, I think he would go full ham on you right now. He's nothing to fucking lose. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about the ending? How do you interpret the the tale being spun here do you think that this was something that genuinely happened do you think it was her just spinning another yarn do you think because the film ends with her being like just kidding yeah that... it's like is what's that in regards to yeah before she says just kidding like it feels very clear cut that like you know i was i was still kind of being this really dark version of a teacher who was trying mm-hmm. to make you see the error of your ways um, and it kind of reminded me of, uh, that film that I recommended earlier this year, Killing of a Sacred Deer, where yeah, yeah. the revenge plan was very, like, clear cut of like, look, this is going to be the revenge. And once that's done, it'll be over. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of going for that vibe there. It's like, okay, you've, I've, I fucked you up. I've gotten you to kill your mum at this point, you know, that's the revenge done. Now you're on your, everything else from here on is you, you know, recovering and becoming a better person. And then she throws out the just kidding kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting because the obvious thing would be she didn't actually do this, the the, the bomb and the blah, because mm. that's the obvious interpretation reading of the just kidding line. Okay, Because yeah. also her character has consistently not actually done those heinous things that she said she's done. Like, she yeah. didn't put the AIDS in the milk, right? So, But she says she did to fuck with them. Right? Yeah. And so there's that reading of it, of course. The, the reading that I went with for the Just Kidding one was, um, it was a Just Kidding in the sense of, like, what her intentions were. Like, mm. Just Kidding, I really just wanted revenge against you kind well, of thing. Just my, to, like, rub it in. My reading, and, and here's the thing, her speech to him at the end, like, about after she's killed his, in the story, killed his mum, mm-hmm. she's reciting her husband's ideology. That wasn't her ideology. Her ideology was, I wanted to poison their milk. Yeah. 
but it was her husband, right? Like, he told her this, or at least that's what she says she got told. And it's like, they'll redeem in time, they'll learn, they'll have to have suffered this, but they'll get past it. You've got to give them a chance. And that's what she's kind of bestowing upon this kid at the end. It's like, he is this. And then she says, just kidding. And a part of me took it as... I don't believe that. Mm. You're damned. Yeah, well, that was my husband's belief, and he's gone now because she talked about that with the girls. Like, he believed this, and I did too when he was around, but he's not here anymore, and that's all kaput, right? Yeah. And so that's how I took the just kidding, where she basically says, You have the ability to redeem now. Just kidding. Yeah, that you, that kind of goes. You don't have that ability. Yeah, I can see that going hand in hand with my ones, where yeah. my whole point is like, oh, she actually doesn't care about all these deeper things. She just wanted revenge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You just add on to that, like, oh, I, I don't believe these idealistic things. Yeah, and I took it like she's rubbing it in and twisting the knife, saying, "You can never get better. Mm. You're flawed." Because his whole thing too is he really hates it when people say he doesn't have the ability to grow and become better and like get stronger and more intelligent and. Like he, I loved throughout the movie how she kept insulting his in, his his inventions as shit, <laughs> like it was shitty inventions, and like couldn't even stop a four year old's heart because it was so poorly put together. Or like, <laughs> I I defused a bomb with like in a cinch. It was that easy. Like even I, a school teacher, could undo it. She cut the one wire, <laughs> <laughs> and then somehow put it back together. Soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was so easy. Yeah, I love that. Uh, anything else you want to say about the movie? Oh, I think we've gone through most of it. What else is there? Um, I guess my question is, do you think it was too much in terms of, like, in these type of movies, there's, like, you you kind of talked about it a bit earlier in a way, but I kind of want to shift that in, in terms of uh, emotionally investing oneself and you're investing in these horrible characters. Mm-hmm. Was it too Was it too cruel or too over the line or... Anything like that for you? Is this too mean-spirited? Because as you said, you won't blame anyone for thinking that. But yeah. what do you think? I was do you think, think it ever stepped over the line? I was thinking that, that sentiment more so with the style of the film, because it is mm. so unique and not like other things we've seen. Mm. In terms of the actual content, I think it hit the right levels for what it was going for. Um, obviously, if you're not into these kind of things, then it won't work for you. But I think it hit the right notes that it wanted to hit. It's the, it's the style of the film that I think might detract some people, even yeah. if they are into yeah. the content. I think it detracted me. I think I'd love to read the book at some point, if I could yeah, get a maybe. copy of it. I'll be surprised if there's an Amonga adaptation of the book. I mean, it feels like there has to be, right? With there just how the way a... this movie did it. There could yeah, there's potential for a lot of good visuals, so that would be interesting. Yeah, I, um, I don't think it went over the line. Uh, you know what I've noticed? You brought it up. You have a very specific taste in these thrillers at late. You you, you recommended this. Mm-hmm. You recommended uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Mm-hmm. You, there's another one I just lost it in my brain. There's like another film you recommended that's just like characters wallowing in fucking misery <laughs> like this. <laughs> Uh, uh, hopefully I can remember it at some point. But, like, uh, yeah, there's there's a few movies like this that you've, like, here, here have... Oh, The Hunt. The Hunt. The Hunt. Yep. Imagine a movie night. 
where you put all three of those movies on and then you can grab the gun and kill yourself. Because fuck me. Like, isn't that weird? Like, I really do think you could watch all three of those movies and have a really fucked up time. They feel like they really are of a piece, yet all very different, but they feel like a piece, you know? Yeah. Very complicated, but also stripped back. Psychopathic bullshit. Like, yeah. All with a very otherworldly sense to them as well. Mm. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, So, you recommend this. I do. Um, Obviously, as we've said multiple times, there's a chance that you might not like it, but this film, I feel it hits the notes that it intends to hit. Mm. I don't think this film ever feels like it messed up with anything. Um, So it's just about, you know, whether you like this intended product or not. I I recommend it. I know you're into Japanese stuff and weeb stuff. I often forget, is your brother into it as much as you? Because I was thinking... What would Oscar think of this movie? I also thought that last night, because I can't... Sometimes, you know, with siblings and all that, you just yeah. think of them as basically the same as the person you know. Like, is Oscar into shit like this? Um, He's gotten into some Japanese stuff in recent years. A, a lot more mainstream than this. So I don't know that he... Like, he's into JoJo and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's that generally into Japanese stuff to the point that he would check out, like, a Japanese live-action film. But I don't think... He'd necessarily be opposed to it. I don't know that he'd like this, but... Oh, yeah, too fucked up for his uh, psychology brain. No, no, it's not that he'd be, like, affected by it. I think maybe just he wouldn't be into the style, but that could be a generalization. This could be another incident where he's like, I slayed the sharks in terms of films like this. Was he the one when you guys watched One Cut of the Dead with your family? Yes, yeah. (laughs) Was he the one that mocked it? He mocked you for choosing this? Early on, when because I, I told my family, oh, this is a comedy, and it takes. Uh, he was the one that like, oh, good comedy, Bartek. But by the end, he he got turned around on it. <laughs> That's what I think of Oscar. <laughs> With you and your taste, you'll be like, good one, Bartek. <laughs> <laughs> I I think my sister would enjoy this. I think it would be like, hey, Alana, just give it a chance. But uh, yeah, I recommend this. I do think. Maybe it's one for people who have a little bit more of the Japanese films under their belts. Maybe, I do feel like I I reckon if I came back to this in a couple of years and I've watched a few more, I may have a finer appreciation for it. But for the time being, it's one that I'll be thinking about for a while and uh, be keen to check out that story it's based on to see... How it adapts that. Maybe that's why it's only, like, shortlisted for the Academy rather than properly nominated. Yeah. Maybe the poor Americans weren't Could getting Could you it. imagine this is getting nominated for a Best Foreign Film one and they show, like, <laughs> footage of it and they show the, aha, aha, I like it, aha, aha. Uh, so it's my turn for a recommendation, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, and we're, this was our last Spooky Month film, this right? This is last Spooky Month. Uh, we record on the weekend, so technically we'll be recording, like, Halloween day, but yeah. by the time the episode comes out, it'll be after that. So I'll make us watch a non-spooky movie on the spooky day itself. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to go too far off the spooky track in terms of supernatural stuff will be still be happening, but this this is not a spooky movie. I'm going to be recommending the Robert Downey Jr. film Heart and Souls. Came out in the 90s. Okay. It is a film that uh, has some interesting things going on for it. I'll say it like that. 
supernatural elements. Well, you said this one was interesting, so it's going to be the same thing. Yeah, it's the exact same thing with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Mr. Jr. Mr. Jr. Do you, do you know, um, he was on Graham Norton once. Yeah. Stephen Fry was there. And I think Robert Downey Jr. was talking about kids and having kids. And blah. and Stephen Fry asked him if he could name one of them Oppie. <laughs> could you please name your kid Oppie Downey? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that until now, but yeah. I think maybe I've heard that before. But <laughs> so, and of course, Robert Downey Jr. looked disgusted <laughs> by this notion because Americans have no sense of humor. Isn't that right, America? Let me hear that in the comments. So that is it. You can find us on the social medias. Uh, we should plug a little while ago now, like within the last week or so, mm-hmm. we did an episode with our good friends Julio and Alex over at The Contrarians in which we revisited a film that we have already covered on here, but we talked with them about it. Bartek, what did we revisit with our good friends at The Contrarians? A film that we were very fond of and did an episode back in like 2016 on, uh, the 1991 Sylvester Stallone comedy film Oscar. So check out that episode in which we try to convert Alex and Julio into liking this film and see if we succeed or not. Who knows? Yeah, I walked out of that recording and told Reese I just defended Oscar for three hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that is a truth that you can listen to. Uh, so make sure to check out Heart and Souls in the interim as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, we're on the social medias, Facebook and Twitter, Spit and Polish Presents. We're posting stuff on there, so feel free to... Hit us up and let us know what you think of what we've discussed. You can email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com and people can recommend films to us through the socials and the emails. Isn't that right, Bartek? Yep, that's true. Every third episode of this, one last week and the one after Heart and Soul, will be a listening people's recommendation. We take all of them and get around to them eventually. Yeah, we have a little list and we're checking it twice. And if you put coal in our stocking, you're fucked. So <laughs> so we're Santa and we also receive presents? Yes. Okay. Yes, you're, you're fucked. <laughs> Santa gets presents, I'm sure. On Easter, maybe? <laughs> maybe from his wife? Maybe you need, people need to recommend the Santa Claus movies so that we can double-check <laughs> these hard-hitting facts about the Santa mythos. So uh, thank you very much for tuning in, people. Bartek, it is such a pleasure to be back in person recording i can't wait for it to suddenly get taken away from us again but yeah (laughs) for the time being let's just appreciate it and hopefully we'll be back again in person next episode yeah if if us recording together is our halloween treat then i'm happy with that usually it's something scary 